Our scripture today comes to us from both Zephaniah and Philippians. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. A warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing as on a day of festival. I will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with all your oppressors at that time, and I will save the lame and gather the outcasts, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you home, at the time when I gather you, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Rejoice. In the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. We continue with our Advent journey. That's been our theme for this Advent season, starting a couple of weeks ago. Thinking about the things that we need to remember to pack in our suitcases before we take this journey. Not just through Advent, but through all the days of our lives. Two weeks ago, we talked about packing the hope. To leave home without hope is a frightening kind of thing. We see it all the time. We see folks with no hope in their eyes, no hope on their face. We need to make sure we've packed the hope and that we share it freely with others. Last week we talked about don't leave home without packing the love, the overwhelming love of God that overwhelms, that overflows in us to those around us, whoever they are, whatever their position in this life. Next week, we talk about packing the peace and we'll do that with the candle lighting and other things. We're doing the lessons and carols. But for this week, I want us to think about packing the joy, not leaving home without the joy of the Lord in our hearts. If we do, it's going to be a long and tedious journey without the joy. You ever taken a trip where one or more of the folks with you, or maybe if you're on a bus, the whole bus load of folks, We're just ill and out of sorts. 
did it take you two weeks to go 20 miles? Are we there yet? And that's not a children's question. That's from the whining adults that were on the bus and on the trip. And just the opposite, though, is those times when laughter and teasing and fun and remembering trips from days past and how long ago they seem, but in other ways, how much they seem like yesterday, knowing that objects in the mirror are sometimes closer than they appear. Before you know it, there's people saying, are we already there? I was enjoying this trip so much. It was such a great ride. Are we already there? Is the trip over? We can plan every detail. We can make a list and check it at least twice. We can take out the trip insurance. We can try to cover every eventuality. But if we make the trip without joy, it's going to be a long, arduous trip. Not just happiness, but joy. Let me say a word about how I distinguish the difference, and maybe you look at it a little differently. Happiness depends a lot on our external circumstances. Is everything okay at home? Everything okay at work? Are we pleased with the way things are going in the world? Maybe there's happiness. But joy is a deeper thing. It's an internal kind of thing. I heard a story long ago about a castle that was always under invasion. And the invaders would start by cutting off the water supply into the castle. And of course, they would have to give up. They couldn't live without water. So finally, they decided if we dig a well within the castle, then the water will bubble up here and it won't be subject to being cut off by all of those external circumstances that are around us. And so they did just that. Joy for me is something that comes as an internal thing. As we are in touch with God, the source of our joy, and it can't be cut off by other things. Like happiness can. Not that happiness is a bad thing, but joy is something deeper, something more abiding, something that scripture talks about over and over again, and we'll say a little bit more about that. Now, from the book of days, and this is a book edited by a guy named Robert Chambers, there is a selection titled The Seven Joys of Mary, and maybe you're familiar with it. It begins with this introductory statement. The Advent images are two dolls, one dressed to be the Savior and the other the Virgin Mary. And during the week before Christmas, they are carried about in the village, in the country, by poor women who in return for their exhibition expect a half penny, which it is considered ensuring the ill of bad luck, the height of ill luck to deny. So the following carol is sung by these folks as they carry these Advent images around the villages and around the countryside. The first good joy that Mary had, it was the joy of one. To see her own son Jesus in her very arms, it brings tidings of comfort and joy. The next good joy that Mary had, it was the joy of two. To see her own son Jesus to make the lame to go, it brings tidings of comfort and joy. The next good joy that Mary had, it was the joy of three. To see her own son Jesus to make the blind to see. It brings tidings of comfort and joy. The next good joy that Mary had, it was the joy of four, to see her own son Jesus to read the Bible or. It brings tidings of comfort and joy. The next good joy that Mary had, it was the joy of five, to see her own son Jesus to make the dead alive. It brings tidings of comfort and joy. 
The next good joy that Mary had, it was the joy of six. To see her own son Jesus to bear the crucifix, it brings tidings of comfort and joy. The next good joy that Mary had, it was the joy of seven. To see her own son Jesus to wear the crown of heaven, it brings tidings of comfort and joy. In the Old Testament lesson that Andrew read a moment ago, from the book of the prophet Zephaniah, we hear the prophet saying, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. God, your God, the Lord your God, is in your midst. A warrior who gives victory, and God will rejoice over you with gladness. And then the epistle lesson, the apostle Paul says this, and reading Paul's stuff is always sort of like opening somebody else's mail, except it's not just somebody else's mail. These things are addressed to us as well. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, the Lord is at hand. Earlier in the service, we sang Isaac Watts' best-known Christmas hymn or Christmas carol, Joy to the World. And Joy to the World is based largely on Psalm 98. And I would encourage you to go and read the entire psalm when you've got a moment. It won't, won't take long. But especially verses 4, 6, 8, and 9. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the king, the Lord. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. And also during the Advent season, and we sang this two weeks ago, that 12th century Latin carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, with every stanza ending with a call to rejoice, to rejoice. Near the very beginning of the service, we lit for the first time the rose-colored candle, the pink candle, the candle of joy, always the third Sunday in Advent. And the use of a pink-colored candle, the third Sunday in Advent, symbolizes a change from a time of penance and heart examination to a time of celebration and a time of joy as Christmas draws near. The traditional designation of the day is derived from the Latin term for rejoice. And it's used in some of the older traditions, older translations of scripture. So the theme for this message, the theme for this entire service, the theme for this season and perhaps for our life is joy to the world. The Lord has come. The Lord is at hand. And I want to build the remainder of these remarks on those seven joys of Mary as a framework very briefly. Let's look at those. Let's examine the joy that's in our hearts or the joy that we desire to be in our hearts. The first good joy that Mary had, it was the joy of one to see her own son Jesus in her very arms. It brings tidings of comfort and joy. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And Mary said to the angel, how shall this be since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, will be called the Son of God. And while they were there, the time came for her to be delivered. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. 
Jesus was Mary's pride and joy. And the source of our deepest joy is always Mary's boy. Regardless of how elaborate or expensive or exhaustive this Advent season, Christmas season becomes for some of us, we can maintain the real spirit of it by remembering that Christmas is a birthday. And not just any birthday, but the birthday of a king. And not just any king, but the king of kings and lord of lords. To see her own son, Jesus, in her very arms. It brings tidings of comfort and joy. Rejoice. The Lord is at hand, close by. The next good joy that Mary had, it was the joy of two. To see her own son, Jesus, to make the lame to go. It brings tidings of comfort and joy. Charles Wesley wrote in his best-known hymn the words, And leap ye lame for joy. Accounts of Jesus making the lame to walk fill the pages of the Gospels. Perhaps the best-known story, or one of the most unusual, is when the friends of a guy who could not walk, who couldn't move, they cut a hole in the roof, lowered the stretcher down into the presence of Jesus, and he was healed and was able to walk away carrying his own cot, his own bed. And then there is the account of the man who had been by the pool of Bethsaida for 38 years. Can you imagine? Waiting for the angel to trouble the water, trying to get in before everyone else, believing that that's how he would be healed. And then Jesus came along and asked him if he wished to be made well. Jesus said to him, get up, walk. Walk. So many things can cripple us, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually and, and mentally and in so many ways. And healing can take so many forms. But all of us at times need some help to walk through this life, to see her own son Jesus, to make the lame to go. It takes, brings tidings of comfort and joy, rejoice. The Lord is at hand. The next good joy that Mary had, it was the joy of three. To see her own son, Jesus, to make the blind to see. It brings tidings of comfort and joy. Hear him, ye deaf, his praise, ye dumb. Your loosened tongues employ. Ye blind, behold, your Savior come. Again, accounts of Jesus helping the blind to see fill the pages of the gospel. In John's gospel, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he ought to be born blind? That kind of theology was around even in Bible times, and we ask that sometimes, don't we? And Jesus answered, it was not this man who sinned, it was not his parents, but that the works of God might be made manifest in him. And then Jesus spat on the ground and made a clay and placed it on the man's eyes and told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. He went and he washed and he came back seeing. And one of my favorite stories was the blind man who sat beside the road coming out of Jericho. His name was Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus. And he was an embarrassment to his friends and to the religious people. He would just sit there and shout out and make a lot of loud noises, uncontrolled noises. And when he heard that Jesus was coming by, Son of David, he shouts out, just to the embarrassment of everyone, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, What do you want me to do for you? I think Jesus already knew, but he needed to hear the man say it. 
Restore my sight. Go your way, Jesus said. Your faith has made you well. He could see. Blindness is so pervasive. Not just physical blindness, but we're blind often to the needs of those around us. And we're sometimes blind to our own faults and our own failures and our own way of judging other folks when we we need to back away from that. So pervasive. It's everywhere. Ye blind, behold, look, your Savior comes. I once was blind, the hymn writer said, but now I see. To see her own son Jesus, to make the blind to see, it brings tidings of comfort and joy. To see your own son Jesus, the next good joy that Mary had, the joy of four. To see your own son Jesus, read the Bible, or it brings tidings of Comfort and joy. Jesus knew the scriptures. The Old Testament, we call it the Hebrew Bible. Some folks refer to it, but he knew it. And he leaned on it. And he drew on the scripture throughout his ministry. And one day, not long after his struggle in the wilderness with the tempter, you remember, with the forces of evil, Jesus went to the synagogue in Nazareth. He had been brought up there. He went there because it was his habit. It was his custom to gather in the place of worship on the holy day. And he stood up to read and there was given to him the scroll of the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he began to read these words. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus not only knew the scripture, Jesus was the fulfillment of the scriptures. Matthew 5, 17 from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, think not that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but to fulfill them so that others might know the joy of familiarization with the Holy Scriptures. The Scriptures were a source of comfort and joy. Not just a tool that we take out of our toolbox once in a while and make a weapon out of it to harm others or to judge others. We've got to be so careful. But as a source of comfort and joy, they were for Jesus, and they can be for us also. To see her own son, Jesus, to read the Bible, or it brings tidings of comfort and joy. Rejoice. The Lord is at hand. The next good joy that Mary had, it was the joy of five. To see her own son Jesus, to bring the dead alive, it brings tidings of comfort and joy. There was a widow's son being carried to his grave. And we read that in scripture sometimes without stopping to think. She was a widow. She had lost her son. She had no visible means of support in that day and time. It was a great tragedy. And there was a good friend named Lazarus already in his tomb. And there was the daughter of Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, 12 years old. And the professional mourners were already there. And they were whooping and wailing and carrying on around her bed. But Jesus restored all of these folk to life. 
And no doubt there were many others. And no doubt some of us who are dead sometimes in our brokenness, our trespasses. There was the woman in scripture taken in adultery about to be stoned and a tax collector named Matthew. Another named Zacchaeus. Crooked and selfish. And there was a woman who bathed his feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. So many others. To see her own son, Jesus, to make the dead alive. It brings tidings of comfort and joy. Rejoice, all of us. The Lord is at hand. The next good joy that Mary had, it was the joy of six. To see her own son, Jesus, to bear the crucifix. And the tone changes here in the song a little bit, doesn't it? It doesn't fit, does it? To see her own son, Jesus, her firstborn died, brings tidings of comfort and, and joy. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Mary was there. Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Mary was there. Were you there when the sun refused to shine? Mary was there. Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Mother Mary was there. To see your own son Jesus, to bear the crucifix, it brings tidings of comfort and joy. Rejoice, the Lord is at hand. But then there's the next good joy, the seventh good joy, the last one in the song, the joy of seven. To see your own son Jesus, to wear the crown of heaven, it brings tidings of comfort and joy. The third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sat at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. But not only has he gone to become our judge, he's gone to send the Holy Spirit to become our advocate, our teacher, to walk with us even today, to intercede for us, to plead for us before the Father's throne. Much to rejoice about, much over which to give thanks. To send the Holy Spirit and then one day to return in glory. Someone described it like this to me years ago and the, the metaphor, the image has pretty much stuck with me. They said the first time God descended the staircase between heaven and earth, God came with a babe in arms. The next time God descends the staircase from heaven to earth, God will be jangling a set of keys. It'd be closing time. To see her own son Jesus, to wear the crown of heaven, it brings tidings of comfort and joy. Rejoice. Rejoice this day and throughout this season. Don't Leave home without the joy. Put it in the suitcase now if it's not there already. Rejoice. The Lord is at hand. Amen.